Matthew, are you ready for the worst Borat impression of your life? I can't wait. Let's hear it. High five. High five. Of the sons that they got out of the high five. That was bad, huh? That was pretty bad, man. I still don't even know what you're saying. That's, was, oh, you that's titles over there. What? <laughs> I was doing the Kazakhstan, the Borat high, high five. Because the Suns okay. have won five in a row, bro. Yeah, they have, man. December of 2014. It Think feels normal now. The winning feels normal. I just feel it's like it's, it's automatic. It's like it, I, I expected every game now from here on out. I know, and it's, it's weird because I'm afraid that when that first loss hits, if that first loss hits, mind you, it's going to be devastating because it's been so long since we felt what a, a loss feels like. And I just don't remember. Oh, yeah, last 10 years. Okay, totally remember uh, the Suns can lose. <laughs> And uh, hopefully that doesn't happen on Monday when they play the Oklahoma City Thunder. But until then, uh, let's celebrate the fact that the Suns are riding high. They're hotter than hell. Uh, there's hottest phoenixes outside at 111 degrees every day with sunshine and no threat of monsoon. Uh, let's enjoy this, man. I mean, this has been such an amazing experience, hasn't it? Honestly, for us to come to the bubble and start out 5-0, and I mean, I thought we maybe can go 3-0 and at most, but mm-hmm. to do 5-0, and I mean, 4-0, and not 5, not 6, maybe <laughs> not, not 7. seven. <laughs> we could do 8. Let's do that. We should have a parade. What if they go 8-0? Oh, and oh? When they and come they back off that plane, we, we will have a, a social distancing parade welcoming, welcoming them back on the tarmac like they just won the NBA Finals. I mean, this exactly. team – the effort that they're putting in, the consistency, Monty's rotations. I mean, we have plenty to talk about today on the Suns Jam Session podcast about how impressive this team has been. So uh, first and foremost, I just want to remind everybody to rate, subscribe, and review on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network where you can get the Suns Jam Session and you can also get Fanning the Flames all that quality Suns content that you love, this is the place to get it. Make sure you follow us at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can email the show, session at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. We got plenty to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Heat Review and the OKC Preview. And we're actually going to invite onto the show Sarah Dewberry, who's the editor-in-chief from OKC's SB Nation site, Welcome to Loud City. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But first and foremost, I just got to crack a beer open, Matthew. So let's crack a beer open and drop that beat. So the Suns did it, Matthew. The Suns somehow, some way, overcame the Heat to go five and zero in the bubble. They beat them on Saturday night, one nineteen to one twelve, and now sit with a thirty one and thirty nine record, which gives them the ten seed currently in the uh, Western Conference and puts them just a half game behind Portland. What stood out to you in this game, man? I mean, what was what pushed them past the Heat? Because I really thought that even though the Heat had Jimmy Butler out, Goran Dragic out, and Kendrick Nunn out, I still thought that they'd be a challenge because those three-point shooting teams just scare the shit out of me. No, you thought they would be, and they were. Actually, it was more of just their defense. Even from mm-hmm. the first half, they were going right at it because I feel like the Suns now are like kind of like the alpha dog in the gym over some of these teams where it's like, hey, we've been there, we've, we've done it in a way. I don't know what it is, but you just feel like this team is going to win. They're going to find a way to to take it in the end. That's how I felt in the first quarter. 
Um, you saw the Heat playing great defense. We started out slow shooting the ball. For some reason, the Heat wings, like uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, they were getting to the rim at will and getting some calls, too, from the refs. So I was like, okay, so they're going to – they're definitely going to take it to us, um, especially with Aiden down low, playing terrible defense for some reason in the first quarter, first, second quarter. Mm-hmm. That was miserable. So I was like, okay, so the Suns need to wake up. I mean, they did later on, but, man, they started out super slow in this game, but I still wasn't too worried. Were you worried at all? I don't know if I was worried, but I was concerned, which I guess is kind of the same thing, but not. But let me try to explain it. I was afraid of a flat game. You know, the Suns have come out with such intensity, both on offense and defense. The cheerleading, everybody getting into it, that team feel. It's, it's an emotional roller coaster that they go through throughout the game. And I was concerned that this was going to be the game where they came out and they just looked flat. With that first quarter, as you mentioned, the way it started, it felt like that's what was occurring. They couldn't hit the three balls. They were letting guys do the Dallas, if you will. I mean, Dallas's game plan against the Suns was let's just take the ball to the hoop as early and often and get DeAndre Ayton either flustered or in foul trouble because we know that there's not a lot of backline depth. I mean, Frank Kaminsky is the next tallest guy on the team and he's been playing horrible. The Suns have, he's been playing so horrible that the Suns have had to put Dario Saric in a center. And I think it's funny because I'd like to call Dario Saric like a poor, poor, poor man's Magic Johnson because he can play center and point Dario. He's doing everything out there. Like it's like the 1980 NBA finals. But I think that when you started to see Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson take it to the hoop, you're like, oh, no, man, this is not what I was expecting. But I knew that the tides would eventually turn because it did with Dallas. Dallas started off saying, hey, let's just punch it in there. And they got us in foul trouble. Miami didn't. But they're like, let's just punch it in there, punch it in there, punch it in there. But at the end of the day, the team becomes who the team is. And that is a three-point shooting team, and I knew that they were going to start to take those threes. So if we could sustain their initial run, their initial, their initial onslaught, I felt that there was a good chance that given how our benches performed and how Devin Booker, for quite frankly, has performed, that we would be in it at the end for sure. And that's what kind of occurred. Because you just had that feeling where it was like um, Booker, it, he's playing like he was earlier in the season where he was playing really actually phenomenal. And a lot of people didn't notice, of course, because he didn't make the All-Star game, but he is playing that way again. So it's almost like he's taking over. He's the number one on this team. Uh, the only thing that I was really upset with really is just DA's play. And it was it was kind of like he was seriously looked like he was stoned out there. I don't know what was going on, but he had a hard time being guarded by anybody. But that always happens a lot. I feel like it's it's always like, especially with like the Rockets team, where they are very, very small. It's like, you know, you got to take advantage of the height you have down below. But it always seems like it's an issue with the Suns. And I don't maybe it's a lot of teams are that way. Where we have the mismatches. I know Adebayo is a big body. And he's very, very physical. But for DA to go up against anybody else under the basket and not produce was very disappointing to me to where I thought it would be an issue for the, the Miami Heat, and it wasn't. Like They, had, they had, did, did not have to worry about Eden in this game at all. I don't think he was not really a factor until maybe even the third quarter. Um, him and Mikael Bridges. Bridges is the other one where I don't know where he's at. Maybe you can explain to me. Where, what kind of game he's playing right now. I mean, he's playing mm-hmm. fine defensively. I've seen stuff on Twitter where he has his guys in jail or whatever, you know, he's locking them down. But honestly, even the TJ Warren game, I don't know if he's really playing. Of course, the, the scrimmages he played great, but I don't know if he's really playing the way I expected him to play on defense. I don't really see the same Mikhail Bridges, unless it's there and I'm just not paying attention correctly. 
But, I mean, do you know where he's been or is he playing fine? Yeah, well, I, I feel like the issue with Bridges is he's putting in so many miles every game. They're doing everything they can to run high screen rolls with him to get switches, and he's fighting through them or going around them. I mean, so in this game, yeah, he did play really good defense. I feel he just was playing in recovery mode the whole time because he was trying to get through switches. I mean, that's how Duncan Robinson was getting to the hoop, is they would do a high screen with Jay Crowder. It would knock Bridges around, you know. So, I mean, Bridges, who's not a big guy, is taking a pounding defensively because he knows that he is the guy that the offense is keyed in on. They need to get him off of whoever they want to score. So I feel like Mikel Bridges is having kind of that – that sophomore, you know, I wouldn't say slump, but he's definitely – teams are very cognizant of him. And they are very cognizant that they need to stop him on defense. So they're going to make him work on defense. And you see it on the offensive side. I mean, he only had 10 points. He went 3 for 11 from the field, 0 for 4 from downtown. I mean, Bridges – and that's kind of been the, the par for the course right now. He's having a hard time. Uh, you talk about him against T.J. Warren. There was two times in that game where T.J. Warren just put a nasty crossover and went right by Bridges. Yeah. But then the rest of the game, though, I really feel that Bridges did a good job hustling and – creating shot deterrence. I mean, with those long arms, he, was, he has yeah. the ability to, to at least affect a shooter. And I feel like that also occurred in this game against Miami. I don't expect him to go out there and score, you know, 18 to 25 points. We talked about in the scrimmages. Wouldn't that be amazing if he did, if he had that complete game where he was scoring 18 points a game and shutting guys down defensively, like that is some nearly all-star type shit, but he's just not there yet. And he's learning now that when you're known as a defensive stopper, people are going to try to stop you from being effective. And that's what, that's yeah. what I just I noticed in this game, that he was just getting picked off on every play, back screens. I mean, he must have got screened three times per that's play. That's true, yeah. His body was flailing all over the place. And that's what happens, like you said, like these teams are going to notice that. And they're still young, too. So Booker is like the only one on our team, obviously, where there's probably a game plan against him, but it doesn't matter because Booker is basically – the guy that's going to find his shot. He's going to get the other guys in the game too as well, whatever you put on them on defense. So they'll learn. Mikhail Bridges and Aiden will learn to to adjust. And those are things I get frustrated about during the game. But then after, it's like you hear Monte talk about um, just the fight that they had. But maybe I just don't see it like he does, maybe just because they're so young. But sometimes it does frustrate me. But Monte seems to be okay with it right now. Well, and there's a difference between Booker trying to create offense and having double teams come at him and Mikel Bridges trying to play defense and having three picks set to try to stop him from playing defense. It's just a completely different type of basketball. Now, that being said, one of the reasons Devin Booker has become such a prolific scorer, even though he went 0 for 7 from downtown in this game, he went 15 for, was it 15 for 19 from the two-point range and scored 35 points, is yeah. he's, seen him, he's seen it a lot. He has a lot of reps at seeing defenses, yeah. throw things at him. Mikel Bridge is going to get the same thing. The more he plays, the more he's getting challenged with double picks, back picks, uh, you know, all these different defensive sets designed to stop him. He's going to get used to how to navigate those things, and we'll, we'll see a productive Mikel Bridges. It's just not going to happen – over a span of like three games. It's going to take a season of him seeing these things consistently. DeAndre Ayton, on the other hand, that's, again, I was with you. You know, he, he somehow, some way gets his, gets his numbers. You know, he got 18 and 12 in this game, and eight of those came in the fourth quarter. So up until the fourth quarter, he had, you know, 10 points and uh, seven rebounds. And, he, I mean, they, they were 
purposely, the, the Suns were purposely trying to create mismatches for him by doing switches to get Jay Crowder on him, who's their yeah. small forward. And he would just pass out of it or, you know, throw up a dinky fadeaway. Uh, what really annoyed me in this game about DA was he just wasn't crashing the glass. Yeah. This is an undersized team. Like, every shot, you should just be crashing the glass. If his team's shooting the ball, he's running down the court already while it's in the air. It's like, dude, go get the offensive board in this one, man. I mean, he just – he ended up with three offensive boards, but he could have had, like, ten because of the undersized front line of the Heat. And he just kind of mentally made a decision that he wanted to – run back on defense before he went and crashed the offensive glass or he wanted to get there on offense instead of crashing the defensive boards. And it just, that's what frustrated me. And again, we've talked about it before where he's more of a finesse player. He's not an impose your will kind of player, but it's like, I'm not even asking him to impose his will. It's like, just crash the boards, man. Yeah. But the thing is too, when he is open, like when they have a passing lane, it's still like, they cannot get him the ball for some reason. But then even if they do, he brings the ball down. He did yeah. it once in this game where he had the ball above his head, where he had the ball, and he seriously just kept it above his head and then yep. easily laid it in. That's all he has to do, and for some reason, he's having trouble still bringing the ball down and getting it swiped away. And then he's getting blocked by these, like, by these smaller forwards. Like, I just I don't understand that part of it. Like, I just don't know. I mean, of course, we don't know where the ferocity is in Aiden. But still, I just want him to be able to get those shots over those small guys, which just seems to be, like, such an effort. He seemed like a zombie today. It was a very, very strange game for him. Yeah, it's, it's, he was sleepwalking, man. And, again, I, I was afraid of the Suns coming out flat. And DeAndre was personifying that in the first three quarters of the game. And you're just like, dude, like, if he doesn't come in and try to, you know, dominate we're not going to yeah. win now he now he did in the fourth quarter and again again you got to give credit to this guy you know he does in the duration of a game figure out what's going to work for him and he executes it because in that fourth quarter eight points five boards three from five from the field two for two from the line i mean he hit two big free throws in the last couple minutes that almost sealed the game and so i mean it, it, it's like the yin and the yang with deandre ayton it's like you're so frustrated because you know the talent that he has and you see him sleepwalking and you're like, come on, man, get your shit together. And the fourth quarter happens, and then he has a good quarter. And you're like, okay, well, there's, there's the DA that I just wish he'd played like that for four quarters. And maybe it's the fact that this was game five. The legs are starting to get to some of these guys. You know, that, that's another concern that we're going to have here. And we'll talk about here in a second about how it's going to be a challenge when we play OKC because, you know, everybody's tired and we play, we're playing an eight-man rotation right now. So, I mean, uh, you know, Frank Kaminsky isn't really doing anything at all. So, you know, I don't even consider him part of the part Yeah, of the I know, right? Team, and you know? Diallo, Diallo must be just, like, terrible. Yeah, don't, don't even play Diallo. Yeah. Don't even play him. him. Him and Ty Jerome, like, I'm okay. I'm okay with the fact that the Suns are playing a nine-man rotation, even though Frank, I take, is, you know, not a man because three minutes in this game, 0 for 3, you know. But I just wish that there was, like, only – I wish there was one more guy. I wish, like, Kelly Oubre had the ability to come off the bench or – uh, Aaron Baines had the ability to come off the bench and at least give us five minutes. Like, I don't need a bunch of them. I just need a little bit to to spell some of the starters because, I mean, they're racking up the minutes, man. Mikel Bridges had 38 minutes in this game. Aiton had 36. Booker had 35. I mean, those are minutes that are taxing, and one of these games, they're physically not going to be able to perform, and that's going to be the reason why. Yeah, dude. But honestly, I mean, those minutes aren't too terrible just because I feel like – I mean, it's only been five games, but the nine-man rotation you hit on it, we need to have that. But it's must-win basketball, so you can't be playing these guys that are not going to no, do anything. No, exactly. So. Yeah, we're not, we're not experimenting at this point. You yeah. know, it's, 
if they're empty minutes, they're not playing. And, and kudos to Monty. I mean, he continues to showcase his ability to put in the right guy at the right time. He's solidified rotations, which is something that I felt he tinkered with too much during the year. And yeah. It led to some losses. Uh, I mean, we were unbelievably critical throughout the season about how, you know, why are you taking out Ricky Rubio with five minutes left in the game to get him a two minute rest with three. And then the team loses because those two minutes ended up being unbelievably valuable. So I think that he's really done a good job uh, right in the hot hand. I mean, Javon Carter in this game, we got to talk Javon, man. I mean, I am unbelievably impressed with how he came out. He said uh, before the game, he's telling one of the coaches that he was going to hit five threes. He hit six in this game. He scored 20 points. Uh, he played the entire fourth quarter. He played half of the third in the entire fourth. And Monty just kept him in there. He's like, dude, you carry us, boy. Carry us, bulldog. Take us to the finish line. How impressed are you with Javon, Javon Carter's performance in this game and just in the bubble period? Well, the whole bubble, he's been fantastic. This game, though, he really saved us. There's always that one guy to step up. Uh, last game, it was Cameron Payne. And mm-hmm. actually, both of them, Campaign and Javon Carter, even though Campaign only had uh, five points, he, he just makes a difference in there, man. But uh, yeah, Javon Carter, the player of the game, absolutely hitting those, hitting every three. It was like basically like Booker was just giving him the ball, like shoot yep. the ball, and that's and that's why you love Booker because he seriously is the guy now to where he'll find the hot hand. And I love it because what happens is like Javon Carter's hot, Booker will kind of go uh, unknown. He's just facilitating. You don't even like notice him on the floor because he's already given the hot hand the ball. So that's what I love the most, dude. And for Monty to actually keep him in, I feel like that's something where uh, – am I saying it right? Monty, yeah, Monty. Monty, well, yeah, Monty, it's not yeah. Monte. Monte, <laughs> Monte Patan. Uh, shout, shout out to Dave King for correcting Matthew for saying Monte, Monte all season. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, he almost Monty. jumped off a cliff, I guess, hiking or something. Yeah, he's yeah. like, dude, I can't take this anymore. It's, it's, Matthew keeps saying – and I keep saying Dragic wrong. It's Dragic, Dragic, Goran Dragic, whatever. The, the score and gore, and it's, um, we're sorry, Dave. We're just not good at pronunciating things, okay? Forgive us. Anyways, you were saying, Matthew. Yeah, so what I was saying was uh, basically Monte is keeping this lineup in there when they're hot. He's not taking them out. He's leaving these guys in when they're feeling it. And that's one thing I feel like during even the regular season, he had issues with maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. But right here in the bubble, he's making the best um, decisions. Sometimes there's some timeouts. I feel like he should still call. Um, but yeah, honestly, he's, he's doing a lot better than he has during the regular season. And Javon Carter, 26 minutes in this game, seven for 10 from the field, six for eight from downtown for a total of 20 points, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block. And that block was probably my favorite part of the game. He goes down, he gets blocked, uh, by Bam Adebayo, yes. Bam Adebayo gets the ball, runs down the court. And Carter's just on his hip the whole time pestering him. And Bam's like, fuck it, I'm taking it all the way to the hoop because DA's in there and he's not going to stop him. And he goes to get the ball and then he gets blocked by uh, or stolen by uh, uh, Javon Carter who takes the ball, goes back the other way and gives it to DA for a nice, easy field goal. And I think that just personified Javon Carter. I mean, some players will get blocked on a play, hang their head, jog back down. And Javon Carter got blocked and he's like, no, I'm I'm up in your shorts this entire Mm -hmm. Uh, length of the court and it's just so impressive to see this guy day in and day out just his his dedication to being the best defensive guy he can be to be the best teammate he can be to be the best offensive guy he can be I mean it doesn't always deliver but the effort's always there you can never fault Javon Carter the the issues we have with Aiton are the exact opposite with Javon Carter and I absolutely love this guy I think that he's one of those guys who we got to bring back next year have to 
we have to bring him back next year. Give him his money. I don't care. Yeah, pay him. I mean, it can't be much. I mean, he's not going to probably garner much. Million, on maybe. But he could. You know, I mean, I think that one of the disadvantages to positive performance in the bubble is you're you're on display for the rest of the league to see. So if you're yeah. one of those guys who is an unrestricted free agent, you're having a good bubble. Uh, teams are taking notice, and Javon Carter might have the opportunity to get, make a payday out of this. I hope that comes from the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, because you have to keep him and campaign together, I feel like. It's kind of like yes. you give Javon the nicer contract, but then you're not really paying campaign. Exactly. So, you know, you can have both of them if you give Javon the money he wants. I, I feel like you need this to come back next year. If any if you, any of these guys leave somehow, I'd be very upset, unless there's better return, of course, but. Well, we'll see very much. what happens with the draft and Kelly Uber. I mean, there's so much off-season stuff true, that yeah. we'll get into, you know, and I don't really want to talk about any of that right now because we're 5-0 and in the bubble, and we are just – we're rolling right now. I think that the Heat, like I said, you know, they are who we thought they were, and they ended up going 5-19 for 19 in the second half from downtown. That was their struggle. You know, they, they're a three-point shooting team, the best three-point shooting team in the league, and they didn't perform, and it played in the Suns' favor, you know. You need to get some of those breaks. Another one of those breaks was earlier in the day, Dame Lillard missing two free throws against the Clippers by Patrick Beverly's yelling Dame time at him and shit. And, you know, every little bit helps. And the Suns have an opportunity to perhaps sneak in there and get that nine seed. It's going to be really, really hard because Portland is a phenomenal team. Uh, They're the team that I believe will end up with that eight seed. I just hope that, uh, you know, they lose a couple games. The Suns win a few more and we're talking playoffs. Playoffs? We're talking playoffs. All they need to do is just win the uh, win the one, or I'm sorry, lose lose one more game. Portland just needs to lose one more game, and then the Suns need to win out for us to actually take overs. So that'd be nice. Well, and you know, I see all the different scenarios, and thank you to everybody who puts those out there on Twitter and Instagram, where they're saying, "Hey, if this happens, and this happens, and this happens," I'm not even reading those right now because yeah, I'll I'll just get too frustrated. It's almost like if you if you ever have gambled and you're betting an over and under. And you're sitting there like, I need this to happen, this happen, this happen. It lasts 45 seconds in order for me to hit my bet. You know what? I'm just going to take it nice and easy and just go handle your business, sons. As long as you're handling your business, that's all you can do. Focus about what you can control. All the other stuff will take care of itself if you focus on what you can control. And all, and all they can control right now is their performance. And it's been nothing but spack, spectacular. <laughs> it's been spectacular. <laughs> it's been spectacular and unbelievable to watch. It's, it, you, you know, you... It's interesting how people come out of the woodwork when the Suns start playing well. I mean, I'm getting long text messages from friends who don't give a shit about basketball for the last 10 years. I have friends on Twitter who have written the Suns off, and I've had conversations with them on Twitter saying, hey, don't write this team off, man. They're a good team. The, the culture's yeah. changed. Monty Williams has changed the culture. They're like, yeah, I'll believe when they start winning. And then they're hitting me up on Twitter and be like, hey, I'm, I'm back on the bandwagon. I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Welcome aboard. You know, it's just it's so awesome when the Suns play well how this city gets behind him. Because remember this, Phoenix is a basketball first city. Yes, the, the Cardinals are somebody are a team that everybody gets behind because they've had recent success. The Dimebacks are a team that nobody gives a shit about because everybody's from somewhere else around here and the Dimebacks never really play very well. I mean, they've gone, they won the World Series in 01 and that was, you know, almost 20 years ago now. So, but the Suns have been here since 1968. So there's multiple generational uh, love for this team and memories everybody has a memory of the suns everybody and now we're they're creating new memories in the bubble and it's just it's fan fuck fantastic yeah and who else who else better to lead it than devin booker really just yeah, the, the right because like i just have to say like all this trade talk everything even the draymond thing where draymond pointed out to get him out of phoenix 
Yep. Like I Draymond just, Green real quick. I know. Just to have Booker, he's such a humble, humble dude to where he's never commented on wanting to be out of Phoenix. I'm sure he's had very, very much a lot of frustration. And mm-hmm. it's behind the scenes. He's never let any of the fans, anybody hear any of it. And he's here just kind of like falling in Damon, Damian Lillard's uh, shoes a little bit to where he wants to be the guy of this franchise. Just like Kobe Bryant, he wants to stick with one franchise for forever. And I really truly believe that. And he, all, the, all the hard work is really paying off in the bubble right now. Yeah, and he's getting the exposure that uh, it's funny seeing how many people are, are starting to talk about Devin Booker as, you know, oh, hey, this guy's pretty good. It's like, yeah, he's been good for a while, man. You guys are just now finding out. And it's it's just, yeah he's the same Booker from this season. Like, is, this is the way he, he was playing before the All Star break. The After the All Star break, he kind of fell off. But before that, like he, this is the way he's played. He just hit that buzzer beater, and we're five and zero. Oh, it's all winning. Winning just you know cures everything. Winning, it does. It really does. And it's simple you know, he, as that. He, he's got twenty six point four points per game now on the season. Uh, he's going to need to really go off in these last three games if he ever wants to catch the Tom Chambers average, which is the Phoenix Suns record for. Uh, points per game in a season but he's just continuing to showcase why he is the future of this franchise and why he wants to be here I mean because we've turned the corner we really have I mean even if the Suns lose the next three games and lord knows we none of us want that to happen but even if they do this has been unbelievably productive for the Suns as a franchise Everything that we've wanted to happen has happened for this team. They're growing together. They're fortifying the culture. They're showing Devin Booker that, guess what, D-Book? We can win, and you can be part of it. You don't have to be the reason for it. Because you look at that fourth quarter against Miami. Booker only scored four points, man. He had 31 points entering that fourth quarter. He ended with 35. Bridges had six. Aiden had eight. Rubio had five. Javon Carter had eight. The team scored 31 points, and only four of them were Devin Booker. Think about that. In a game where they won seven points, and it was closer than the seven points, it wasn't just Devin Booker. Things like that fortify to Devin Booker why he's here. Because they've turned the corner for this team, and he gets to be a part of it, and he gets to ride that wave of success, as, and he deserves it. And it's, yeah. it makes me so happy to see. And he's, he has the three assists, too. Like I'm saying, he's moving the ball around to yeah. make sure that the, the players that are – they are really feeling it. They have to have the ball. And he's just making sure of that. He's he's just on another level. I I mean he is. on the court, it's it's just insane. I mean, we've said in the past he's the number two, maybe number three on a championship team. He might still be that guy or number two or something, but right now he's just um, I don't know. He's number one right now, I would say. No, I the way he's playing. Completely agree. Uh real quick on Draymond Green. I just wanna uh say if if, if anybody has not read Dave King's piece on Bright Side of the Sun about the Draymond Green situation. I think that perfectly personifies everything that needs to be said about Draymond. I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to waste my breath talking about some jackass who's tampering and trying to uh, justify why Dev Booker should leave Phoenix. The guy's just, again, creating that national narrative. And again, kudos to Devin Booker for not responding, not saying anything, just continuing and taking care of his business. Yeah. No, that's that's Booker though. He's not going to respond to that stuff. And even like, because no matter what he does on Twitter, if he says anything, like I remember the two K tournament, he said he wanted to play with the Suns, and everyone's like, oh, he doesn't want to be with the Suns. Like he knows people will read too much into what his tweets are and stuff, so he stays away yep. from that. And that's why I love Smart. him. I love that part of him. Smart. Well, next up for the Suns at eleven thirty on Monday is the Oklahoma City Thunder. So Oklahoma City is currently two and two in the bubble. 
They're 42 and 26 on the year, which is good for fifth in the Western Conference. And they're currently kind of a schizophrenic team because, you know, they beat, I think, the Lakers and the Clippers, but they lost to Denver and the Grizzlies. They get their ass kicked by the Grizzlies in the last, uh, their last game, which kind of sucks because that's a team that we really wanted them to beat. Um, yeah. But they, yeah, they lost 121 to 92 to Memphis. So uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of this year's version of the Thunder? Very surprising. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, right off the bat, just uh, a team that you thought would start rebuilding, uh, maybe trade Chris Paul, like maybe this season or going into the offseason. Well, it doesn't look like that. And I kudos to uh, Chris Paul, definitely, be, just because he came in there and you thought, like I said earlier, like he's going to be traded, but he's not. He's taking over the team and he's leading. And he's doing a better job than a lot of people thought. And this is probably one of the scariest teams. I feel like it would probably go – the Lakers, Clippers, and then probably OKC as like mm-hmm. the third scariest team that you do not want to play. Maybe I would rather play the Lakers right now over OKC, but OKC is just definitely is a, a surprise right now to me. Yeah, I mean, when you lose Russell Westbrook to Houston and then you lose Paul George to the Clippers and all you get in return is Chris Paul and a shit ton of picks and SGA. Chris Paul, SGA, and a shit ton of picks you really think that this is going to be a rebuilding year for OKC. You think that this is just a temporary stop in the road for Chris Paul on his way to New York or uh, some other large market. And it didn't happen this season. I mean, they came out, they played well. Uh, they beat the Suns twice this year. They beat them 126 to 108 on December 20th and then 111 to 107 on January 31st. And I remember that game very uh, vividly. That was a like Chris Paul versus Devin Booker right after they announced the All-Stars. And Chris Paul won that game. And you thought that this would be a team that – you know, would just kind of try to get to the, this upcoming offseason to play with all the new, you know, shiny toys that they had. And they didn't. They refused to follow that narrative, and they've continued to surprise teams. And I, what was really interesting is how they've done it. They've done it with Chris Paul, SGA, and Dennis Schroeder kind of playing that three-guard uh, lineup and really uh, doing a good job with the rotations there. And then, of course, Steven Adams down low. And they've been nothing but impressive to me. And you're right. They do scare me. I don't know how – scared I am of them going into this game uh Schroeder has left the bubble um right he left the bubble right yeah he's he not playing yeah he no left. yeah his his wife's having a baby that's right that's yeah, right I think yeah. it's his wife yeah so so he's about to be a new father so congratulations congratulations to Dennis Schroeder uh Steven Adams is day-to-day right now so we don't even know if he's going to play tomorrow so we're kind of in that realm where we were before the, we played the heat is a couple of key players on the team we're about to play we don't know if they're going to play yet and that makes them less scary to me in this game. But I see what you're saying in the playoffs itself. If everybody's there and they are healthy, right now they would play the Rockets. They have the ability to catch the Rockets for the four seed, which just means that they would play the Rockets. Uh, or they could drop all the way to the six seed. I think they're only a game ahead of the six seed. And that would put them playing the Denver Nuggets. Uh, but regardless of who they play, they're going to be an interesting team because they have firepower. But most importantly, they have the leadership of Chris Paul. Uh, and I just, he, you know, you can't, you can't put a number on how important that is to a team. Yeah. He actually, he just figures out how to win and yeah. he can be down by however much or up by however much going to the last five minutes of a fourth quarter. And if you're playing against Chris Paul, it might not be him shooting the ball, but sometimes it is. And if he is, he's very clutch and honestly, he's clutch too. in playmaking situations to find the right guy, their defense is pretty locked down too, as well, dude. And honestly, yeah. uh, Danilo Gallinari, a guy that we wanted the Suns to trade for or maybe to get in the offseason. Um, I, 
I love this guy. So you got to work out, look out for him. But at, again, this is, it's another team that's going to have missing players. So we got to take advantage of that and just really, hopefully we'd lock down uh, Chris Paul and then worry about the other guys after. Well, if it's a close game, it will be scary because Chris Paul, if you look at his clutch time performance, as far as points are concerned, he's the seventh best in the league. You know, you look at his field goal percentage and he's right up there. I mean, his clutch time stats are pretty nasty. And so obviously if it's close, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a heavy dosage um, of Chris Paul. So that's something that obviously the Suns hopefully can, you know, just outscore him and put him away like Memphis did because then you don't have have to deal with that. You know, I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're 20th in the league in scoring at 110.4 a game. Uh, so, I mean, they're not going to overwhelm you with their scoring. Uh, you know, they're not one of those teams that really relies on the three ball too much. Uh, they are actually 27th in the league in threes taken, which is such a far cry from everything that we've seen so far in the bubble. You know, we've played Dallas who shoots, I think the second most threes we've played Miami who makes from a percentage standpoint, uh, the most threes. And now you're going to go against a team that's looking to defensively grind it out against you and uh, try to win that way. I think if the matchups are right, I think it almost plays into the Suns' hands because our wings have been playing very well. We didn't even talk about Cam Johnson in the, the Heat game, and I was unbelievably impressed again by Cam Johnson. He is low-key uh, one of the best players playing in the bubble right now. I mean, he consistently is uh, playing really good switch defense. His athletic ability is, I think, shocking to players because, I mean, he can one-two dunk, and you're like, whoa, how would he get there so quick? But I think that if the matchup is right against OKC, he's somebody who could also obviously contribute a great deal to them. They just, they just need an opportunity to, uh, you know, to be healthy, and I think that this might be a game where they – it might play into our into our uh, into our hands. You know, Terrence Ferguson, somebody who on their team who, you know, plays a lot of games but doesn't really play well. Uh, obviously, Stephen Adams is Stephen. If Stephen Adams is playing this game, I'm really scared for the Suns' chances to win because he will just manhandle DeAndre Ayton, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't even think people would worry about that because it's going to like come with the game. If Stephen Adams is down low against Ayton. Uh, he's had trouble with him in the past. He's still well in this game. Um, so what we can hopefully count on is DA shooting from the outside, maybe getting that to go down or even shooting a three. Uh, that's what we would have to see, I think, to be uh, to show any kind of positivity in this game if Steven Adams is playing just for Aiden, at least. All right, so what's, uh, what's your prediction, my man? Uh, I think the Suns win. I'm going to say Suns win uh, by five. Okay, and uh, I think we, we were both off by a point last time. We both said it was going to be six points. I was okay. I was a little lower than the final score, but I think that this will be more of a defensive game. I think that the Suns have the ability to play some pretty good defense, which is crazy to see, by the way. I mean, this, seeing the Suns have the ability to consistently play defense the entire game has been such a pleasant surprise. I mean, Cam Payne, Javon Carter, then you have Mikel Bridges, Cam uh, Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton that is great at defense. He just wasn't against Miami. But the fact that we have a consistent defensive threat as a team, it's just it's weird to see. Like normally, a couple guys will play good on defense, and the bench comes in and just like you know shit show, and then we try to then, then we're you know playing uphill the rest of theirs. But I think this will be kind of a more of a low scoring game. I'm gonna say Suns 105, Oklahoma City Thunder 97. Okay, so that's my that's final prediction. That's thank you, thank you very much. I like that. I, I try to make it respectable. Uh, I think it's now time to bring in Sarah Dewberry from Welcome to Loud City. 
All right. We are super excited to welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast, Sarah Dewberry, who is the editor in chief of Welcome to Cloud or Cloud. Welcome to Loud City, which is <laughs> which is OKC's uh, SB Nation site. Sarah, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Oh, thanks for being here. We're You're on welcome. Cloud Nine. Yes, we are on Cloud Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Rumor has it that Cloud Nine's a local strip club in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So that's uh, we're not on that Cloud Nine, but we're we're living it up. The Suns are now five and zero in the bubble, so we're hoping to go six and zero against you guys. Uh, will you abide? Will you rest some players for us? Uh, I hope they give you guys your first loss. Sorry. Oh, please, please yeah. You, you know that's five podcasts in a row we've heard that. I know, but it probably won't happen. You guys will probably go undefeated. Oh, I hope I so. Yeah. So um, I got to ask on a scale of one to 10, how surprised are you with the performance of the Thunder this season? Uh, an eight. Like yeah. I, thought, I thought the Lakers and the Clippers would give them the most headache. Little did I know that the Grizzlies and the Nuggets would be the ones that would just, just throw a wrench into my plan. I don't know. It's, I'm, after the Memphis game, I was completely speechless. I was just like, how do you lose by almost 30 points? To that team. To that team, yeah. <laughs> we really could use your help on that one, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everybody else could too. Was it, uh, was it hard to say goodbye to Paul George? Um, maybe more so Russell Westbrook? No, I was, ready really? for, I was ready for Russell to go. Oh, okay. How come? Um, well, I mean, it's... I can't really say why, but there was just a lot of stuff behind the scenes oh, that was going on, um, you know, and I would actually take Kevin Durant over Russell. Wow. Okay. Choice. Like if it was down to those two for a kickball or basketball or baseball, I would pick Durant over Westbrook. Paul George, did you have enough time to even develop an emotional connection to him as a player? Not me, no. no. I mean, there may have been other people that may have. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. He's cool. He's laid back. He's chill. But, you know, he he wasn't here long enough. It's like Carmelo. Yeah. He wasn't here mm-hmm. long enough. Um, but, you know, it's, it's nice kind of seeing Chris Paul here uh, before the bubble, or before, I guess, like the season got postponed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Paul said this is probably this Thunder team right now is the best Thunder team he's ever or the best team he's ever played on um, and I wow. think that's just because a lot of the kids are young they're what average age is 23 and Chris Paul's been around 15 years so everyone kind of looks to him as their Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> and you know they look to him as a leader and what's cool is that he looks to the youngins too to learn things and so it's not like I'm in charge, I'm the veteran, you need to listen to me. It's like, what can we both learn from each other and make this a viable team? And I think that's what's so fun and great about this team is because I feel like that's not how Russell Westbrook worked. So, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been fun, but this bubble thing has just – it's a roller coaster. <laughs> well, I mean, your team's gone two and two in the bubble. Does that come short of, meet, or exceed your expectations thus far? I mean, two and two's average. Yeah. And, you know, you, like I said, I thought the Clippers and the Lakers would be the ones to kind of give them. But, you know, when they entered after the Nuggets game Mm -hmm. to play the Lakers, it was like they had a chip on their shoulder because they were up by what? Seven points before, like with four minutes left in the game. The game should not have gone into overtime. They should have, but turnovers and fouls were just awful. Mm -hmm. So they had a chip on their shoulder to, and then, you know, 
it's kind of weird. It's like, did the Thunder actually win the game or did the Lakers yes. lose the game? Yeah. Because the Lakers had already clinched the number one seed. They weren't – I mean, they're kind of just like, whatever. You know, we'll just kind of play, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I go back and forth whether or not who lost the game and who actually won the game. So, you know, they're entering on this high that they beat the number one seed and then they got dismantled. But they were also without a lot of players, too. Ferguson, Muscala, Schroeder, and then Adams. Yeah, the last sure. minute scratch. And I didn't know that Adams, you know, with the loss of him because of that nasty fall and the leg thing mm-hmm. that he got with the Lakers, that, you know, just to ear on the side of caution, which was fine. But for him to go down and then, I don't know. It was just, it was odd. It was like, this is not Thunder basketball that I'm used to. Uh, would you rather them play Houston in the first round or maybe drop to the sixth seed and play Denver? Oh, no. I want them to play the Rockets. Do you? Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Take a, a shot great, at Russell. Great, yeah. It'll be a great series, you know, for the Thunder to come in and just dismantle the Rockets and send Russell and Harden home early. That would be the cherry <laughs> on top. I mean, you don't even need to win the NBA Finals. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you guys can lose in the second round. I don't care. But if you get the Rockets first round and send them home and four, six games, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Well, so, I mean, it's, it's welcome to Loud City. Do you think that not having fans is clearly a disadvantage for OKC? Um, yes and no. I mean, I feel like, you know, the bench could probably – I mean, if you looked at what happened last night with, the, what, the Trailblazers and the Clippers, you know, the Clippers were all about getting into Lillard's head. So, you know, they can make up for it, but I don't, I don't know. I don't see the Thunder really being the trash-talking, loud, obnoxious team that they maybe should be. So maybe uh-huh. it's a little bit of an effect on them, but I don't think it's like, you know, do or die for them. So yeah. maybe it does, but sometimes maybe not. Well, besides like Chris Paul or even SGA, is there another player that maybe the Suns fans should know about going into this matchup? Someone maybe that's flying under the radar? Ooh, good question. Um, trying to think. Not, I mean, mm, not really. I mean, if Schroeder was on the team, Schroeder would be the one to look yeah. out for, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, really don't know when he's coming back. Um, you know, Adams is a big force to reckon with. So who knows if he's going to be, I mean, he's listed day to day. So not sure. Um, but I would, I would say Adams just because he's, he's an awesome force on the court and off the court. And what's really cool about him. And you probably already know this is that when Adams conducts interviews, he does them barefoot. Like he is the most really that yes he is the most laid like if I could spend a day with anybody, uh, in in the present NBA there's there's a list but Adams would be number one just because he would just be so chill so cool and I would probably get an eight pack abs because I'd be laughing so much. <laughs> you know? oh, really? Like we're in the middle of a pandemic. I didn't even think we were. So yeah, so he's he's really fun and but but when he gets on the court. It's all business. Oh yeah. And then when he's oh, yeah. off the court, it's he's like a you know, a twelve year old boy sometimes that's just goofy and wants to have fun and, you know, laid back and chill and so yeah, I would I would watch out for Adams if he gets on and you know, would, he, would he, he be a good drinking buddy? Oh, most and, definitely. And if so, what would yeah, he be he his like drink of choice? Is he like oh. a pina colada dude? No. No, like, I don't know. I can see him just like kicking back with pina colada. Uh, maybe to be a goofy. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but no, I don't know. Maybe like a 
That's a good question. I think he's kind of like a, I mean, what, what do they drink in New Zealand? Do they drink? I mean, I don't know what like their native drink is, but I, I would probably beer. Yeah. Like, well, do you think he would like have fosters, even though it's Australian for beer? No. He's like, no, he's like, no, save that for Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines can have all the fosters he wants. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> Whatever. I just see maybe drinking an IPA or, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can, and, I can see know, that. Yeah. But a pina colada. Well, I mean, you said he's kind of like goofy, you know, like yeah. I know some guys will, they'll do it just to be ironical. They're like, you'll give me a, a pina colada with an umbrella in it, you know, just to be goofy. Maybe if he's on vacation, but I don't see him going like, hey, welcome to New Zealand. Make a pina colada. Here's what pineapple pizza. Let's just do it. Yeah. Steven Adams, if you ever listen to this, please don't kick my ass for that statement. <laughs> that was, uh, that was Matthew who asked that, not John. <laughs> Uh, so I got to, what are, what are your thoughts on Arizona state's own Lou Dort? Do you like him? Um, the kid that just exploded and was all over the Mavericks. Yeah. Uh, he's cool. I mean, he's blowing up Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So he must be, he must be doing something right. <laughs> what, uh, what do you think the strengths are of the thunder and what would you think their weaknesses are? Cause we would love to exploit those on Monday. So I think the weakness is Billy Donovan. Interesting. And, and the reason why I say that is because he did not utilize the bench because, you know, there was, um, I can't, the name already slips me and I can't think of it. Um, but there was one guy who played for only 19 minutes of the game and, you know, and he, you're, you're already down four players, right. And you're trying to use SGA, um, to kind of replace Schroeder, um, in a position that he's not really used to. So you're not utilizing the bench, which to me was kind of mind boggling, but you know, I, I don't know. I've never really been a big fan of Billy just because he mm. coached at Florida and I grew up a Miami hurricane fan. So I, yeah, I mean, that's just like, that's a whole different segment. But <laughs> There's bad me, blood, bad blood. So I think the weakness is Billy Donovan just because he doesn't know how to utilize a bench. And I think that's what kind of drove Scott Brooks out of the thunder because he never utilized the bench correctly. Like, if you look at Popovich, I mean, Popovich won with, you know, the greats, but yeah. he utilized the, the bench properly. He knew how to do it, and Billy does not. And that, and that oh. really, really showed with Memphis. That's really frustrating. It is very nice. frustrating, yeah. But the, um, the pro of the Thunder is, I think, the leadership of Chris Paul. You have him being able mm -hmm. to lead. You have him, people listening to him. Um, so, you know, if he's doing well, I think everybody else does really well. Um, I think also a negative was you also had four players out too. And yeah. I think the loss of Adams and Schroeder at the same time um, really showed that, you know, they, they really rely on Adams and Schroeder. So, yeah. Well, the Suns are five and zero right now, um, so we're doing fantastic. But besides maybe the bubble, how were the Suns perceived um, from your point of view through the season? Maybe going into the bubble, but right now I don't think we played this great in forever. But before the bubble, how were the Suns perceived to you? You know what? I'm going to be completely honest. I have never paid attention to them until Steve Nash retired. Like I, oh okay, yeah, well, that's so fine. I knew, I knew all about them, and then once he left, it's like okay, bye. Don't, don't know. Don't care. Um, yeah. So it's, it's nice that you guys are able to kind of fly under the radar and not 
bring so much flash and attention to yourself. Um, you know, when I saw that you guys were undefeated, I was like, oh, um, I learned something new before coming onto this podcast. So Good for them, I, you know, yeah. And I hope you guys continue to do it. I, you know, the Raptors were kind of a surprise last year. Um, so, you know, you guys deserve it because Thank you. honestly, no one knows anything about Phoenix unless it's connected to Steve Nash, which is mm-hmm. me, which is probably, I mean, there's probably a lot of people out there that are like, who's, on, who's even on their team? Does Steve, does Steve Nash even own the team? Like, does he coach it? So, <laughs> you know, there's You're just not wrong. questions. Um, so I hope you guys, I go, hope you guys go far and, you know, do well. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> we, we appreciate it. I mean, that's, it's yeah. been a decade since Steve Nash left. So it's been a decade of pain for Suns fans because we haven't been relevant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. SGA. I want to talk about him real quick. Uh, sure. He is somebody who I absolutely loved at Kentucky. I absolutely loved when he got drafted. I was actually kind of pissed because the Suns took Mikel Bridges. Uh, and then two picks later, he went to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. How much do you love him and what do you think his ceiling is? Because that kid is talented. He's very talented. But, you know, the frustrating part is that he's a little up and down. So he went, what, 3 of 11 against the Lakers mm-hmm. and went 3 of 13 against the, Lake, or against the Grizzlies. So, oh, yeah. you know, the Thunder really rely on him to score the ball. And he's being really, you know, counted on heavily since Schroeder left. Yeah. So it's just – it's, it's weird because it's like there's no inconsistent – it's very inconsistent with the Thunder, which to me has been just very odd because you come in and you're heavily favored. You're heavily favored to be, you know, top three in the Western Conference, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they're, what, sixth now? So it's – he's great. He was great at Kentucky. He's great at in SGA and Chris Paul get along great, you know, uh, Chris Paul always said that he, yes, he's a leader because he's been there for so long, but he also looks to SGA to learn things from him. So their dynamic is really nice. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's just weird. It's, it, it's not something that I'm used to watching him play. And you're just like, what are you, like, like what's off? Like what's going on? Like, you know, what's your, your chi? What's your mental, um, mental game going on? And I think just having the loss of Schroeder and having mm-hmm. him kind of change and trying to replace Schroeder in a position that he's not really used to and, and he's being, you know, heavily counted on. I mean, if you look at what happened with, like, Westbrook and Durant during, you know, their NBA final run um, in the early 2000s-ish. Yep. Yeah, so you have, you know, Russell passing the ball to Durant and Durant has to take that last second shot. That's not what Durant wants. That's not, that's not what he came in to do. I feel like that's kind of what the Thunders are having to rely on SGA. And SGA is so trying to be the Thunder face. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of messing with him a little bit. You know, he doesn't want – he wants all that, um, all that energy onto him. Yeah. But it's just like they're all throwing up baskets, hoping miraculously they fall in. Sometimes they do. Um, so it's, it's just been odd watching. I mean, not just him, but everybody. You're just yeah. like, you know, you sit back and you're just like, what, like, what's going on? What are you guys mm-hmm. doing? Like, I could try. I mean, I want to be out there and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah. 
come on, Coach Sarah, you got to get out there and ask them, come on, what are you doing? Well, the beautiful thing is you guys have so many assets coming up that you can fill in a lot of those holes and maybe take some pressure off SGA by putting, you know, somebody potentially with a lot of talent next to him, right? Right. But the thing is, is that Billy's got to be the one that knows how to do that. And he did not show that while they were playing the Grizzlies. Gotcha. Oh, well, Matthew, you want to ask the last question? Yeah. I mean, prediction for the game, the last five um, interviews we had, they chose the opposing team. So do you want to choose OKC against the Suns or over the Suns or? You know I mean, what? We, we uh, haven't beat you guys yet this year. Oh, and two. I will. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I hope we win because if – I mean, if we lose against the Heat <laughs> and – I mean, it, yeah. could, it could reach DEFCON 4. I'm not kidding. Like, Sam Presti may go in there and be like – like, pull out his hair. <laughs> I mean, it's not as long. But, you know, I, I don't know. I hope, I hope we win, but it may be by, like, two or three points. Okay, that's what I need to know was what's the point spread because I got to bet on it. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's uh, – <laughs> well, well, best of luck to you guys in the bubble. Actually, You're, you're actually going to make the playoffs. So we'll, we'll be rooting for you guys, especially against yeah, Houston. Definitely. I, just, I know a lot of people like Houston. I'm one who's just kind of anti-watching the way that they play basketball. I understand it. I get it. I just don't like to watch it. I like to watch OKC. So uh, best of luck to you guys there. Can you let everybody know where they can read you and follow you? Um, so I, <laughs> I was actually taking a shower this morning and I thought about changing my Twitter handle, but for really? right now I'm, I'm not. Yeah. So if they want to, they can reach me on Twitter. It's Sarah underscore, underscore, Dewberry. Dewberry, not Newberry. <laughs> Dewberry. Dewberry. Okay. Um, and then on Instagram at Missy SPN, um, I'm trying to think. I don't have TikTok. I'm too old. I have bad knees. <laughs> running, running, running destroyed them. Uh, maybe, oh, yeah? maybe, I may have to be like 40 and getting knee replacements. Like it's bad. Oh, it's what did awful. you do? Just running, huh? Just running, you know, running was a kid and a teenager and, you know, didn't stretch before and just. Who needs stretching? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm like yoga and yeah. <laughs> trying to like strengthen. No, like uh, it's awful. Um, trying to think what else. I don't have a YouTube channel. I mean, the, I'd like where can they read you though? Huh? They can read you at Loud City, right? Welcome yeah, to Loud City. Loud Boom. City. Yeah, totally. So ch- check it out, fellow Brightsiders. You got to check out everything that Sarah's doing over there. Uh, thank you ever so much for coming on the pod with us. Best of luck to you guys at the bub. Hey, you too. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you again to Sarah Dewberry for hanging out with the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, a lot of great energy from her, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of uh, inside stories, too. We'll have to have her back on to like go from uh, going to behind the scenes OKC back there, you know? Oh, yeah. Get, she's get definitely stories. Got, she's got some good access and she's got some great stories. Uh, even before we started recording, we were sharing some stories mm-hmm. and uh, it was. I was laughing my ass off. So, again, thank you, Sarah, for joining us. You're welcome on the Suns Jam Session anytime. Um, Matthew, I don't have any mailbag questions. Uh, is there anything you're watching that you want to share with the, the jamsters before we take off today? Any new recommendations? Absolutely not right now. Nothing. Really? You should nothing watch Borat. Watch. Go watch Borat. So you'll get my no, high five. Done I'm done with that, dude. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I will. Maybe I will, man. There you go. Check it that's, out. What, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't have anything new that I've been watching. I actually stayed up late last night after the Suns beat the heat. 
Um, I stayed up and I watched He Got Game. When's the last time you saw that movie? Actually, I don't think I've ever finished it. I know that's oh, terrible, man. man. I know, I know. I've seen it. I've seen parts of it. I just, I cannot finish it for some reason. Something that's happens. A, that's a great movie, like an earthquake movie, or something. I don't know. <laughs> Denzel Washington, Ray Allen, a Spike Lee joint. Yeah. Uh, highly recommended. It's on Amazon. So if you want to go back in time a little bit. And it's, it's, it's almost timeless, you know. That's what I kind of enjoyed about it because at the beginning, they show a lot of basketball shots, you know, people just playing basketball on courts and things of that nature. Some great uh, cinematography from Spike Lee just trying to capture the essence of basketball. And it's just like, it's such a great game. I, I love basketball. I, I love was basketball too. Playing it. Well, I guess that's it for the Suns Jam Session podcast, eh? That's it, man. Uh, right. A lot of fun today, right? Let's yes. Keep, let's lot, keep it up. The good keep, energy. Keep it rolling. Positive energy. Uh, you know, let's go and let's play OKC. I actually won't be able to see this game. I'll be working, and uh, yeah, I won't actually have access to oh, uh, seeing this game. Are you That's sure? Kind of I feel like you'll find a way. You always find a way to get a TV or something. Well, but here's the issue. I'll have it on at work, though, for sure. Here's the issue. I uh, I go into work tomorrow at like six in the morning, and I'm working from six to about nine forty-five, and I got a nine forty-five tea time. Oh, and then after, and then I go back to work right after that. Cause I'm just golfing at my work. So I literally be on the course while it's happening. So I'll be checking my phone and such, but I need that positive mojo from the sun's jamsters and from you, Matthew, to get them past this, uh, past OKC. So I'm, I'll record it and watch it later, but I will not be watching it live. All right. Well, have fun golfing. I'm going to hit a hole in one just <laughs> for you. <laughs> well, that's it for the sun's jam session podcast. Remember to rate subscribe and review the bright side of the sun podcast network uh stop by bright side of the sun there's a lot of fantastic content going up with everything that's going on in the bubble right now it's a great place to kind of get everything that you need to know in one stop uh you can follow the show at sun's jam on both instagram and twitter you can go to sunsjamsession.com you can email the show sunsjamsession at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter i'm matthew Lizzie. And that's it. It's time for me to grab another beer. All right. It's time for me to go home and love my family. I'm man. <laughs> <laughs>